Welcome into the fade. I am Clay Travis. He is Todd Furman. Encourage all of you to get your bets in. FanDuel.com slash Clay. It's a bleary-eyed Thursday edition of the fade. I'm not going to lie. Just got back after a late night, early morning in Houston. I'm about to fly back out to Jacksonville for Georgia-Florida in the cocktail party and everything surrounding that game. We'll get into that and more but Todd Furman is with me and I want to start with honestly what feels like it probably should be the best game of the week and that doesn't happen very often on a regular Thursday night game. Cardinals now out to a six and a half point lead against a sorry six and a half point favorite against the Packers. It'd be hard to have a six and a half point lead. Over under in this one is 51. Big story, Devontae Adams out with COVID-related issues. Furman, this line continued to tick in the Cardinals' favor. The only undefeated team left in the entire NFL. It's Kyler Murray against Aaron Rodgers. Is six and a half too steep for you? I think it's starting to get to the point where the only way to look is to try and make a compelling case to back Green Bay. If you want to bet Arizona, you kind of miss the boat. You're laying the worst of the number here. And you talked about it. Devontae Adams, not going to be available for Green Bay. No Alan Lazard as well. But interestingly enough, when you look at what the Packers have done without Devontae Adams since LaFleur took over as their head coach at the start of 2019, the Green Bay Packers are 6-0. and Aaron Rodgers has averaged more than 300 yards passing in those games. 17 touchdowns to one interception, and they've averaged more than 32 points per game. So clearly life without Devontae, while not easy, isn't exactly a death sentence. It's asking guys like Aaron Jones to step up, Randall Cobb, who Rodgers was banging the table for to bring in from Houston this offseason. So it's all about some of their secondary weapons and players out there. The problem for Green Bay is defensively. I'm not quite sure how many stops they're going to get against this high-powered Cardinals offense. Although DeAndre Hopkins, nowhere close to 100%. I think it should be a fun game. And for me right now, I'm leaning towards Green Bay. If the number did get to seven, I'd probably value bet the Packers, but not invested as things stand right now. What about the over-under at 51? Is there any value to you there? You know, this game has been bet down a little bit. Obviously, when you're down a couple of weapons, that's going to be the case. The number did bottom out right around 49 and a half, 50 before there was a little bit of a difference of opinion there. So much of Green Bay, when you look at them so far this year, they've actually been an under team, which flies in the face of what a recreational better would think. But it's because they play extremely slow, methodical. When they're able to build a lead, they take the air out of the ball. If one of these two teams, whether it's Green Bay leading or Arizona, probably the more likely scenario, gets up by 10 to 13 points, I think this game is going to speed up quickly. And it's probably the perfect game if there's a slow start to look to bet it live over the total on FanDuel, more so than tangling before the game even gets started. Uh, You know, I'm going to take the Cardinals minus six and a half. I realize that I'm getting the worst of the number, but we're talking about it on Thursday, just a little while before the game kicks off. Uh, And I'd probably be inclined to go over the number here too. Uh, But the one that I would bet more so than the other is the minus six and a half. All right, I mentioned we're going to get into the NFL. We're going to get into college football in a sec. But I just came back from games one and two in Houston. The Atlanta Braves, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Truist Park in the Battery down in the uh, Cobb County area of Atlanta. What do you think happens in this series? Is there a value one way or the other as it pertains to the World Series now tied up 1-1. 
You know, when we chatted on Monday, uh, I made a case for the Braves then. Definitely thought they'd come out and play with some of that same level of confidence that we'd seen carry them through the playoffs and up to this point in the season. Now, with the injury to Charlie Morton, it's a great question in terms of how the Braves pitching staff will be set up going forward. And you see the odds makers kind of adjust the price right back to where we were before things started with the Astros in that $1.35, $1.40 range. I'm not sure I'm ready to double down just yet on Atlanta. I think yesterday was more the Houston Astros playing with a bit of desperation in that particular spot. Uh, And when you look at the number with Lurie Garcia going in game three against Ian Anderson, it's right where you'd expect the price to be at a pick Atlanta now has home field advantage. They'll play the next three at Truist Park, like you mentioned. Uh, And then there'll be two games where they have to go back into Houston for me, I still like the Braves. I just feel this offense can carry them through stretches. They'll find a way to get their outs. But if you have an investment from before the series, no way, shape, or form would I be looking to double down, probably go game by game. And I think game three is such a swing scenario that I wouldn't be tangling in that spot. If anything, I'd lean under the total with this number sitting at eight and a half. All right, let's go into college football. Um, I have been so busy, Furman. I'm going to put these up online on OutKick, I promise, it's this It's tough afternoon. to beat Clay Travis. It's tough to beat Clay Travis. Jet setting all over, hobnobbing, giving his son the chance to meet Ronald Acuna. I mean, I'm not sure what you haven't accomplished in the last 72 hours. I, I have not. I, this is no joke. I have not had 45 minutes or an hour to sit down this week and write out my gambling picks. I mean, that's how busy I've been. I'm going to try to get them up this afternoon. Uh, I haven't had the time, been traveling. Like I said, I'm about to hop a flight to Jacksonville for the Florida-Georgia game. And that's where I want to start here, Furman. Georgia around the two-touchdown favorite in this game against Florida. I'm actually going over the number here. Uh, That's the way that I think is the best to play the cocktail party. I'm going to give you all the big game action, by the way. I'm going to take Michigan State. I know you hate the Spartans. Plus the points. Uh, I am going to take uh, I think I'm going to take Penn State plus 18.5 although I'm not very confident in that scenario. I'm taking Ole Miss plus the points. I'm taking Mississippi State and the under. I actually think Mississippi State beats Kentucky outright. Uh, I'm taking the over in Iowa-Wisconsin just because this number is so low I can't go under it. Uh, And I'm taking Coastal Carolina against Troy. Those are all my college football gambling picks. But let's start with the big games uh, before you react to any of those. And I think the biggest game of the weekend is Michigan at Michigan State. Two undefeated teams. I'm not sure that anyone saw the Battle of Michigan on the day before Halloween being a uh, matchup of unbeatens. What happens and why? No, I would agree with you. Coming into the year, you were wondering how Michigan was going to respond in the wake of what was a disappointing performance all of last year. And clearly the Wolverines have their swagger back. I mean, they've established a ground game between Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum. Cade McNamara going out there and doing what Coach Harbaugh is asking of him, specifically not turning the football over. Although you have seen Michigan throw it a little bit more in their last three games than what we saw the first four games of the season. But again, very workmanlike, only doing the bare necessities. I think he was 20 of 27 for a shade under 130 yards in their win against Northwestern. In comes Michigan State team that I think offers more playmakers. Kenneth Walker has been phenomenal the Wake Forest transfer, and he's doing a lot of his damage after contact, which makes it that much more impressive. Peyton Thorne, a trio of talented wide receivers. And I don't think I'm going out on a limb saying that Michigan State's offense is much more dynamic and explosive. 
Now, when you look at Michigan, I think they'll be better on the defensive side, and these two teams could feel each other out early. Uh, I'm inclined to go under the total here. Uh, I know Michigan's defense hasn't been as great as some of the higher-level numbers look like when you look at a down-and-down efficiency standpoint. Meanwhile, Michigan State, I think, can get pushed around a bit in the trenches. I just don't see a lot of big plays. And it for me, it feels like the first team to 24 could come out of this game with a win. Understand completely where you're coming from as far as making a case for the underdog. And definitely pretty wild to think about this being the first top 10 matchup between these in-state rivals since, I think, 1964. So we'll see which one of these teams can remain unblemished going forward. Because as we know, the Big Ten East still slated to be very much a round robin albeit with Penn State taking a step back, but Ohio State in the mix, Michigan, Michigan State, setting up some interesting showdowns and matchups as we get deeper into November. No doubt. Georgia, Florida, uh, I'm taking the over. Again, the Bulldogs are round a two-touchdown favorite. Do the Florida Gators have enough talent, particularly if they use AR-15 a lot, to make this one interesting in your mind, or do you think Georgia rolls? You know Dan Mullen is going to empty the chamber in this particular spot. I mean, Florida at this point in the year has nothing to lose. Uh, I thought early in the year they could be a little bit of a dark horse candidate not only to get out of the SEC, but maybe crash the college football playoff in the wake of their near miss against Alabama. Obviously, I couldn't have been further off base when you look at their losses in Lexington against Kentucky. Uh, And then, of course, probably the most disappointing performance we've seen from Florida this year, the loss against LSU is two touchdown favorites. Now you have two weeks to repair. You have nothing to lose if you're Florida. The problem for the Gators is you've seen their ground game really slow down. I mean, this, uh, as far as where they rank nationally in rushing yards, a top five offense in that regard, but they haven't gone for more than 180 against Kentucky, Vanderbilt, or LSU. So much of what they get is from the quarterback position. So can A.R. Richardson, you know, make the dynamic throws? Can he keep this Georgia defense off balance? I think Georgia is going to see some JT Daniels in this spot. I really believe he could be the starting quarterback this weekend from what I've been reading and what I've been told. Georgia down to down is going to be able to run the football against this Florida defense. And to be quite honest, I actually agree with your overpick here. Uh, I think Georgia can score. I think Florida is going to be forced to play from behind a little bit. And while I don't think it's as high scoring as the 44-28 game we saw last year, there's a reason this Georgia totals into the low 50s, and it shows a lot of respect for Dan Mullen and the kind of game plan I think Florida is going to bring to games. Excuse me, to uh, Jacksonville. Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels for Georgia. Any major difference in setting a line based on who the quarterback is for the Georgia Bulldogs at this point? For yeah, for me, I'll make a field goal adjustment because I think Stetson Bennett is much more of a game manager. And when you look at how powerful George has been running the football, uh, JT Daniels has been outstanding operating off of play action. We saw late in the year what this Georgia offense could look like when they start to open up the playbook. I think George is only going to get healthier from their weapon standpoint. Somewhere along the way, uh, assuming there's not going to be a setback, we'll get George Pickens out there. We've seen what Bowers has meant. Uh, And I think this Georgia team is just scratching the surface for what they can be offensively. And I think Stetson Bennett limits their ceiling. Whereas I think when you have JT Daniels out there, uh, there's no doubt in my mind that this offense can compete with any team in the country. And I think Todd Munkin and Kirby Smart can gradually start to take the governor off. Ole Miss, Auburn, Penn State, Ohio State, two road underdogs. What happens? I actually like Auburn in this spot. I think the bye week for them came at the perfect time. And when you look at the gauntlet that Ole Miss has had to go through, uh, Lane Kiffin is going to have to try and rally the troops yet again. I know on the surface, Ole Miss should have had a walk in the park against LSU, and they did cover uh, as a nine, nine and a half point favorite, but that's an extremely big rivalry within the SEC West. 
We know what it took for Lane to go into Knoxville and get that win. I just wonder if Ole Miss is running on fumes at this point under the lights at Jordan Hare against an Auburn team that's going to try and hit you in the mouth. And when you look at this Ole Miss defense, you know, the rush three, drop eight, I think Tank Bigsby can get going. I think you're going to see more Jarquez Hunter. And if Bo Nix can make a few plays in the passing game or with his legs, I think Auburn defensively can do enough to neutralize the Rebels. So I like Auburn in this spot. And when you look at Penn State, I mean, it does feel like an opportunity to buy low, but you wonder if they're more the team that we've seen over the last six quarters than what we saw for the better part of this season. Pretty wild to think about it, Clay, that they took a lead into the half in Iowa City. If they hold on there, suddenly we're talking about Penn State very much controlling its own destiny in the Big Ten in the college football playoff. They crumble in the second half without Sean Clifford. They follow it up with an absolute dud on both sides of the line of scrimmage against Illinois. And here we are with a Penn State defense reeling without P.J. Mustafer. Sean Clifford didn't look anything close to 100%, despite what James Franklin is saying, that he's going to be healthier with some quarterback design runs. And then the side story that you can't possibly ignore when you're handicapping it with college kids. It's not coincidence that your boy switches agents in the middle of the season and brings in the biggest power broker in all of college football because he wants to use it as leverage to stay at Penn State. Uh, I think the natives are getting a little bit restless with James Franklin constantly flirting with higher profile jobs. And this Ohio State offense right now has really found its stride, leading the country in terms of points per game. They've beaten their last four opponents by more than 39 points. And I think C.J. Stroud is showing every bit the reason why he was considered a Heisman dark horse before the season started and now is only listed behind Bryce Young in terms of your co-favorite thereabouts at FanDuel Sportsbook. All right, NFL slate. Let's be honest, Furman. It ain't great. Um, All right, so I'm going to give you my picks. I've got the Cowboys to cover against the Vikings. Chiefs, I think, bounce back in a big way. I actually, and this is this is going to make all my Titan fans unhappy. I This is the ultimate game that the Titans lose, right? You get all fired up after a win over the Bills. Double down with a win over the Chiefs. You're going on the road against the Colts. I would love to see it. There would be nothing that could happen on my Halloween better than me getting the ultimate, uh, ultimate gift, the ultimate treat of the Titans beating the Colts and effectively, really, ending the AFC South on Sunday on Halloween. I don't buy it. I think I'm going to get tricked here. Uh, which is why I'm taking the Colts to win. They're around a one-point favorite-ish. This line has swung back and forth a couple of times. Uh, I like the under on Washington-Denver even though Washington so far has been the worst defense out there and can't stop anybody. And I like the Bucks to cover on the road against the Saints. We talked already about Thursday night football which even with Devontae Adams out and even with uh, Lazard out seems like a really good game. Probably the best game of the weekend. What is jumping out to you in the NFL slate? You can make an argument in terms of significance. Uh, Steelers, Browns, Titans, Colts. I'm talking about big division games, uh, so to speak. Patriots, Chargers is interesting. Bucks, Saints, another division game. Are the Vikings able to knock the Cowboys off their spot? Do the Chiefs actually have things to be worried about? All those things are storylines. I'm not sure there's great games. What's standing out to you from a gambling perspective in the NFL? Well, first thing I'll say is if you have a read on the Kansas City Chiefs, you're a better man than I am. I actually thought last weekend could be a good buy-low spot against the Titans and they went out there and put up an absolute dud uh, in terms of their inability to move the ball. Give the Titans some credit. They created pressure and they took Patrick Mahomes out of his comfort zone. So 
obviously you had two things in play in that particular game. Don't disagree at all with you in terms of your assessment of the Colts Titans. I mean, this is the Colts season as far as the division is concerned. Let's see how Tennessee handles some prosperity. I did think this was a great teaser leg when the Colts were a one point home underdog. You've seen the market kind of correct itself. And the one thing we've seen from this Colts defense is that Matt Eberflus plays a lot of zone defense. He can make things complicated for Tennessee as far as their passing game is concerned. But the Titans, despite having, you know, a ton of bad luck against the Colts in the past, I believe have now won three out of the last four. And this would give them a chance to maybe build an insurmountable lead before we even get into November in the division. So let's see what we get out of A.J. Brown, who's largely been kept in check. But Derrick Henry's numbers, not only against the Colts, but the division as a whole has been outstanding. I'm curious to see what the Titans defense looks like against Carson Wentz uh, and a rapidly emerging Michael Pittman as a true number one. And of course, Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. As far as other games of intrigue, you talked about the Steelers and Browns. I think that'll be a fun watch. I think points will be at a premium there, uh, like under in the first half in that particular spot. But the Sunday night game is where I want to go. And I think this is going to be a massive measuring stick for the Cowboys, who haven't really faced a living, breathing offense, in my opinion, since the second week of the season when they went on the road and took on the Chargers. I mean, it's Jalen Hurts. It's, you know, Mac Jones. It's Daniel Jones. This will be a step up in class, a revenge game for the Vikings when they lost last year as a seven-point favorite. And when you look at how Minnesota has played, you can make the case that this team could be 5-1, and 4-2 and two at worst-case scenario, and a legitimate threat in the NFC North. I like what the Vikings have done defensively, although their run defense will be tested here. I think Kirk Cousins can have a day throwing against this Cowboys secondary. And a stat that'll surprise, I'm sure, a lot of your listeners out there who may have followed Trevon Diggs and his ongoing maturation as a cover corner, he's actually allowed the most yards of any defensive back in the NFL when it comes to coverage. So I think Justin Jefferson is going to have a big day uh, up against that defense. And I actually like the Vikings quite a bit as home underdogs in that particular spot if you go through some of the marquee games. I'm also a little bit more concerned than the Cowboys are letting on that I don't think Dak Prescott's calf is close to 100%. You don't give Cooper Rush some reps with the ones if you believe Dak will be out there for the full 60 minutes. Uh, What else in college football or the NFL are you looking at personally as bets that you think make sense? Uh, You know what? When you go through the college board, I mean, it's a game out here on the West Coast. Uh, I know we talk a little bit more about Mountain West football, or I do, than I think the casual fan pays attention to. But you have an undefeated San Diego State team uh, playing a de facto home game against Fresno, one that will go a long way in determining the pecking order in the Pacific Division of the Mountain West. You look at San Diego State, yes, they haven't lost the game, but what offenses have they really faced? This will be their biggest test. Fresno State's already gone through the gauntlet of playing in Oregon, playing a UCLA and outlasting Nevada last week. And what's interesting about this game, San Diego State's actually playing this one in Carson, California. It's roughly a two-hour ride from campus, so there's no home field advantage to speak of. I think some of that's been built into the number with San Diego State a short favorite. Wouldn't be surprised to see Fresno close a de facto road favorite here. So I like Fresno plus the one. Uh, And when you go through some of the rest of the board, I'm curious to see where this Notre Dame-North Carolina game goes. Uh, If it gets to four, four and a half, I might be forced to jump into North Carolina as the Irish will go into battle without the top safety in the entire country and Kyle Hamilton. I think it changes some of what they can do defensively uh, to slow down an underachieving North Carolina offense headlined by Josh Downs who I think a lot of people haven't watched that closely because North Carolina has been a disappointment, uh, but he'll be an extremely fun watch come Saturday night in South Bend. Furman, I'm finishing this show and headed straight to the airport to get down to Jacksonville. I hope everybody has a fantastic Halloween. 
Much to discuss certainly coming into next week as we move into November. Uh, but this has been The Fade. Get your bets in at fanduel.com slash clay. Are you, wait, one last thing. Are you going to tip your hand and uh, share what costume you're unveiling at the annual Travis Halloween bash on Saturday on Saturday soiree? Or is that going to be something that you wait to unveil on the website come Sunday? No, we're going uh, say by the bell. I am Zach Morris and my wife is uh, Kelly Kapowski. She's wearing the, uh, yeah. Laura could definitely pull off Kelly. I'd have you peg Morris screech though. So you going for <laughs> Zach Morris is a little bit of a reach in my opinion. By the way, nice tracksuit. You're going to go out and you hanging out with some Russians later in uh, in Vegas? <laughs> I, I may I may have to go pick up a package or two from some Russians later at, at a nice deli out here. So you have to look the part and try and blend in with my Eastern European heritage, even if I'm a couple generations removed. Good stuff. Uh, that is Todd Furman. I am Clay Travis. This has been The Fade. We'll see you on Monday. Enjoy the betting, boys and girls.